Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Stacker Chat. Um, my name is Gina, and I'm an early team member with the Stacks Project, joined by Muneeb Ali, Stacks founder. Um, how are you, Muneeb? How's it going? I'm great. Excellent. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, we're excited to dive right into some questions for the Stacker Chat. For anyone who is new here, the Stacks 2.0 blockchain launched earlier this year, bringing apps and smart contracts to Bitcoin. And these are just casual conversations with Maneeb um, to hear about his uh, background, beliefs, and a little bit more about what's happening in the Stacks world. So one of the things that's come up, um, it's sort of like a I think it's a theme in the crypto world is just how quickly things move and um, how things are very sort of momentum based. It can feel a little bit ephemeral. Um, but when we're thinking about Web 3.0 and what's going to win in the long term, um, there's sort of this concept of like type one decisions versus type two decisions. And you could consider type one decisions to be things that are irreversible. Um, so once they're done, it's really done. Type two as being um, a little bit easier to, to pull back. Um, and so I'm curious, like from your perspective for newcomers that are coming to crypto and seeing so much out there, what do you think are the things to keep in mind for like the 10 year long-term vision um, and some of the factors that, that really go into these, these protocols? Yeah, I think, I think that's interesting. So uh, in terms of comparison to Web2 protocols or you know, like TCP IP or uh, the 90s of, of the internet. I think a lot of people talk about how crypto uh, could be like 90s, but uh, it's hard to kind of like pinpoint like where exactly we are. Uh, one model that I like is just looking at the total number of uh, users in crypto and comparing that to the total number of users on the internet. I think it's a very high level metric, but it's interesting. I think uh, obviously there are different types of ways of measuring users, but I think ballpark even if you say that there are 100 million users in all of crypto right now, uh, that would put us at like late 90s, like 97, 98 uh, in terms of the internet. And obviously, interestingly, that was a time when there was a lot of like, you know, hype and interest in dot-com uh, startups. And a lot of the ideas that came around at that time, uh, some of them flourished, some of them actually kind of like didn't uh, do that well at that time. Only later on, the same ideas. I think. I think uh, Webgran uh, is a great example. It's like a delivery service, like Instacart, uh, and now everything gets delivered, and you know your food gets delivered, your your groceries get delivered. But all of that is happening like literally decades after uh, Webgran, uh, because it was just too early for its time. Right. So similarly, I think uh, we're already seeing this in crypto. Like a lot of the things that people are getting excited about, um, and I, I do think the attention span kind of like moves around. Right. Like sometimes. NFTs are, are getting more attention or then, you know, some, something like uh, DAOs are getting more attention or whatever. But these ideas are not new, right? Like they've been around for six, seven years and maybe more. And uh, we don't even know if the time is right for these ideas even if. But I'm very confident of is uh, there's some amount of time, I don't know if it's three years, five years, 10 years, but at some point, these things are going to become real. By real, I mean that you know, at a massive scale, like at the internet scale, just like you know, uh, home delivery services are now real, at least, at least in uh, in the U.S. Right? Uh, maybe maybe not so much in the uh, in developing countries. Uh, it will happen. Like these ideas uh, will eventually emerge, and I do think that 
um, then then you have if you have like very long time horizons in mind, then you then you think about these type one type of decisions, right? like and and people who are designing incorrect protocols were uh, like people forget that there were actually competing incorrect protocols in in the early days, and then some of them kind of frizzled out, and and the other designs ended up winning, and in 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 case of the internet, uh, like I'll I'll give you one example of a type one decision. Right. So a type one decision um, uh, for stacks is that we decided to build on Bitcoin. Right. That is a type one decision. Like now our consensus algorithm is literally connected to Bitcoin. Uh, miners are mining on the Bitcoin side. Uh, the, the economics is linked to Bitcoin. Like, you know, when, when people uh, uh, through mining, like Bitcoin gets sent. Uh, so there is like a Bitcoin reward that, that's there. But, but even at the consensus level, you know, uh, we consider we follow Bitcoin's finality uh, as well, so it, it has an impact on speed. It has impact all all sorts of things. But that's a type one decision to be able to say that for some reason Stacks is now no longer connected to Bitcoin and it's its own thing. That would be a very very hard hard thing to do. So that's a very big type one decision that we've made. That we think uh, you know there are lots of experiments happening, but we think that Bitcoin maximizes for decentralization. Uh, Bitcoin maximizes for independent uh, independent verification, has the largest community, the best chance of actually becoming a sovereign store of value, and we want to build it on Bitcoin. So that, that's an example of a, of a type one decision. And, and other people have made other decisions. I think we'll basically see uh, how uh, some, some of that uh, pans out over time. And and I think I think in general, people kind of like forget um, kind of like how early it really is like you know we don't even know yet what the core protocol stack is going to look like is it is it going to be massive consolidation on a single kind of like ecosystem is it going to be multiple chains uh, is it going to be like hundreds of them or is it going to be like less than 10 or maybe a ha handful we don't really know right and and, and i think uh people are uh, sometimes too early to call winners in, in the space as well when when we are, we're actually like in, in a very very early stage yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. Now, one of the things you actually tweeted about recently was the Lightning Network and how there's been a lot of development there, which has been super exciting to see. And Stacks and Lightning communities have actually done hackathons and collaborations in the past. So I'd love to hear, are there any sort of app ideas or use cases that you feel like would be good fit for um, both Stacks and, and Lightning to, to work together on potentially um, in terms of like independent folks that, that might do this? Um, and yeah, any other collaborations that you'd love to see um, potentially between Stacks and, and other chains generally? Yes, so I think uh, Lightning is a great example of a Bitcoin project, uh, which is like they're just building quietly with their heads down. They don't they don't spend a lot of time on like marketing and hype or anything like that. And uh, they've been building for a very long time. And again, they have these long time horizons in mind. That the core thesis is that look, Bitcoin is going to be the sovereign store of value, the the the, the sound money of the world, and they want to bring uh, that to billions of people, right? And they want to make these transactions really, really fast. And interestingly, uh, you mentioned that, you know, uh, uh, things are, uh, the attention span in crypto could be small, right? So uh, back in the day, I remember like back in like 2016 or even, even like, you know, early parts of 2017, when people started thinking about scalability uh, um, early on, before crypto kitties happened, right? 
And I've been I've been a strong supporter of uh, layered tools, right? So Lightning is a layered tool network. And back in the day, uh, those approaches were heavily criticized, right? That layered tools, oh, no, no, uh, we're gonna have like you know sharding or something else, and layer ones are gonna scale and this and that. And at that time, just from first principles, just from critical thinking, uh, both us, Stacks and Lightning, we were in the camp of like scalability makes more sense through through layers on top versus versus like sharding like like techniques. And um, and we we like interestingly like you know sometimes the Ethereum and Bitcoin communities they kind of like, you know, uh, have different points of views and they argue with each other, and and people have forgotten that the Ethereum people would argue how L2s are actually not a good thing, right? And now it's all about L2s, even in the Ethereum community. So they're actually coming around, they're actually changing their position. They, 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 they have been uh, multiple significant uh, changes to even the design of Ethereum 2, where there's actually no, no smart contracts on Ethereum 2 anymore, right? Like it's just a data layer. And, and they have come around to the original way of thinking that, people like Lightning and Stacks have been talking about it years ago. Uh, and now they're celebrating that. And if anything, they're actually like, you know, there's more hype and more marketing happening. And they're they're it's all about like, you know, the L2 summer or something like that, which is great. I think from a pure technical perspective, that's actually a better, better design. And that's great that they're finally coming around to the right designs. But hey, let's not forget we were we were always there and we were always kind of like uh, doing that. And same with Lightning. I think Lightning has been declared dead by people uh, that, hey, nobody uses it, yada, yada. If you actually dig deeper, like it's growing like anything. Like there are so many independent startups that are, that are, that are working on it. The number of kind of like uh, channel capacity of how many Bitcoins uh, you, you can actually use, that's, that's actually going up. The uh, excitement in the developer community, like it's any measure you pick, Lightning is a success story. And it, it's going to feel like that. Like, you know, imagine uh, suddenly, you know, Square enables it or Twitter enables it. It's going to suddenly feel like it went from like, uh, it's everywhere now, right? But it's going to be, again, that classic 10 plus year focusing on the long term. And then suddenly it's going to feel like an overnight success, right? And, and I, think, I think that those are the type of values that I, I deeply share with, uh, with Stacks as well. Like we have our, principled view of how to build a decentralized uh, ecosystem and a blockchain uh, that can that can survive for for the long term in uh, kind of like kind of like in a state with Bitcoin where both are benefiting from each other right instead of fighting with Bitcoin that hey no uh, ethereum is better than Bitcoin or something like you know smart contracts can actually live in the big broader Bitcoin ecosystem and can have a very healthy mutual two-way relationship. And I think those types of uh, economic alignment is actually critical for long-term stability uh, before kind of like clear winners start to emerge in the, in, the, in the smart contract space, right? So in terms of the interesting work we could do with Lightning, obviously, you know, there uh, people over there are Bitcoiners uh, like us, so we love hacking together on interesting things. But we actually looked at Lightning uh, when we were designing POX as well, because in POX, uh, fundamentally, you're trying to move a bunch of Bitcoin, and uh, you don't want to do that by paying like a lots of transaction fees on the Bitcoin network, or just basically um, 
consuming too much of the, the Bitcoin network as well, right? So people who are more familiar with POX, they would realize that there is a uh, 4,000 slot limitation. And that's why, you know, there's a threshold of minimum number of stacks you need uh, when you're locking them up. Obviously, there are pools and you can get behind a pool uh, to, to get around this. But that limitation actually comes from Bitcoin bandwidth because we don't want to consume too much of the Bitcoin bandwidth uh, for, uh, for stacks usage of the Bitcoin network. And, but if you were using Lightning, you potentially don't have that limitation. And we, we, we tried exploring some of the things. At that time, due to various technical reasons, it was better to do it on the Bitcoin-based chain. And I actually uh, think that was the right decision. But the Lightning ideas can still be explored. Right? Like There are two ideas that I'm, I'm very, very intrigued by, very interested in, and would love to explore. Uh, I, I haven't had the time to really dig in yet, but I'll just share them anyway. One of them is lightning channels that actually are uh, not Bitcoin to Bitcoin, but they're actually Bitcoin to Stacks. Right? And what can, what can happen with lightning channels like that? And Stacks is in a unique position to do that because Stacks has full visibility into Bitcoin. It follows Bitcoin state. Uh, it can actually tell if something happened on the Bitcoin side. So what can you do uh, through, through uh, lightning channels uh, like that? That's, I think that's very interesting. The second one is more around uh, you know, just like Satoshi's, like in, in Lightning, like Sats is the is the currency, right? So everyone's sending sending Satoshi's around. Can we have like a synthetic Satoshi on the stack side, right? And then maybe somehow, just like people trade like you know Bitcoin with wrapped Bitcoin, uh, have that, those types of trades. And again, Stacks is in a unique position to do that because you could potentially do atomic swaps. Uh, as well between between SDX and Bitcoin or between other other types of assets. So if you have like you know call it like XSAT or something, uh, it's like a synthetic um, Satoshi, but it's programmable in the stack world. So you start doing interesting things with it, and then obviously you you could you could swap it with actual Satoshi's, and then uh, uh, then then the type of applications people can build with that primitive uh, could could be super interesting, right? So that's that's one idea. Uh, recently, I was I was thinking with it, and I think I. I'll spend some more time uh, fleshing it out. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. So I think the community would love to, to hear more, but there's a little bit of inspiration for, for folks that are out there. Um, you mentioned about sort of like the synergies between networks, and that brings us to an interesting point here about um, sort of stacks miners who have actually spent um, over 600 Bitcoin mining stacks um, to, to date. And so that's over $20 million at, at today's prices. Now, a lot of those Bitcoin have been sent to rewards and sent as rewards to stacks holders. Um, and a small part has been burned. And so I'm just curious to hear a little bit more about how do you see the relationship between sort of Bitcoin miners and the Stacks network um, really evolving over time? Yeah, so I think this is, this is first of all, amazing to see, right? Like it's been, uh, obviously we launched in January and it's been a few months really, but a lot of the game theory and the critical components of the consensus work have actually played out and played out in a fully decentralized manner. Right, like this network was not launched by, by a company. It was actually launched by decentralized miners all around the world. We don't even know who they are, right? And they, they came around and they, they basically started mining. Uh, and interestingly, there's a lot of a lot of game theory work that's going on here, right? Right. And and the idea is that the miners are being incentivized in real time uh, to come in and mine a block and spend Bitcoin. 
uh, before we launched, we, I would often hear criticism of the work that why would anyone spend their Bitcoin uh, to mine to mine stacks? So that's 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 kind of like in the rear view mirror, right? Like people clearly are spending their Bitcoin uh, to mine this because I I always viewed viewed this as a uh, basically it's more of a trade on chain trade uh, between Bitcoin and stacks and the miners they would make the trade if they think it's profitable. So it actually doesn't even matter uh, what the market price is for, for Bitcoin and Stacks. Are. Whatever the trading pair is, there's always some potential to make money uh, by, by the rates that the trade is happening at the, at the Bitcoins. Right? And obviously there are further incentives as well. There's the gas fees. And as, as more and more transactions are happening on the network, there are incentives to have the gas fee. But that's basically the bandwidth of the trade. Like, what's the volume, right? So as the as the volume increases, more miners might, might come in, and they, they might want to uh, make mining the mining process more efficient. But interestingly, what's happening is that uh, with all these miners participating, and and it's a permissionless system. We don't require anyone's permission to participate, right? So so first thing that checks out is uh, it's a it's a fully decentralized, fully permissionless system. Right? Anyone can come in, mine. That's amazing. B, the, the game theory is working. People are doing that, right? So they are securing the chain. There, there are millions of dollars uh, are chaining hands and which are securing the chain, uh, which basically increases the security budget for, for certain types of attacks and whatnot, which is, which is amazing. And then, uh, interestingly, it also proves out a couple of interesting things on the Bitcoin side of that, right? Uh, one is these miners are actually highly, highly motivated to pay tons of Bitcoin transaction fees, uh, like I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I don't, I don't run a miner. Uh, here, here doesn't run a miner. So we haven't done this ourselves. But I wouldn't be surprised if they have custom software to uh, re do replace by fee in the Bitcoin mempool very aggressively because it matters to these miners a lot that their block gets it. Right? Uh, which means high. They're, they're, these are parties that are willing to pay high fees on the Bitcoin. And they will continue to pay high fees, right? So Bitcoin is actually at some point going to go through this transition where the Coinbase reward is going to go down and the transaction fees are meant to become more, more meaningful. These miners, they will continue because they're economically incentivized to pay high fees. If the fees actually like, you know, if you're making so much profit, you're willing to pay the fee, right? If you're securing such high amounts of data, so the, the density of the data that they're actually securing on the Bitcoin side, is all the transactions that are happening on the stack side. They're just they're just packing it up. So they're actually that's good for Bitcoin because Bitcoin is a settlement, right? And you're actually settling useful information and a high amount of information, and you're condensing it, uh, packing it on the Bitcoin side and, and paying, uh, paying paying the appropriate fee there. And finally, these miners are actually proving that uh, you could attach more energy efficient extensions to Bitcoin. Because when these people are just spending Bitcoin, uh, there's no carbon footprint really. Like yes, there's some negligible value of the uh, whatever you know fraction a Bitcoin miner had to do to process a Bitcoin transaction. But that's that's nothing. There are thousands of transactions in a Bitcoin block. But these hashes are representing thousands of transactions in the stacks block and there's no electricity consumption there. And which is super interesting what that gives Bitcoin is a, a, a reusable mechanism 
to secure other types of data in an energy efficient way while using Bitcoin as a settlement. So this completely debunks that argument that as more transactions happen in the Bitcoin ecosystem, the, the energy usage is going to go up. It's not. We've already proved that up, right? And then in, in, in the last six months or so, that, that when the transactions, when more transactions happen on stacks, nothing changes on the Bitcoin side uh, because it's the order of the number of miners. It's not the order of the number of transactions happening uh, on, on the stack side. So I think those are, those are some of the interesting observations for just seeing this out in the wild, uh, functioning in a, in a fully decentralized way. Absolutely. And this is really sort of the first time this is playing out. Um, and so I'm really excited to see for both stocks and for Bitcoin um, how, how this continues. Well, that's a wrap for today. Thank you so much for being here, Raneev, and chatting. And um, thanks to everyone for watching. And um, if you enjoyed your time with us, definitely subscribe to the Stacks YouTube channel here. We're going to continue doing these chats. Um, we'd love to hear from you. And um, which, if you'd like to hear more about Stacks, head over to stacks.co. We're also on Discord and um, we'll continue tuning in. So thanks so much and we'll see everyone soon. Thanks a lot.